Today is Saturday, October 2nd, 2010, and this is Radio Wave. information service, I'm Robert John. Spanish bishop takes firm stand on Muslims. Bishop Demetrio Fernandez Gonzalez of the southern Spanish city of Cordoba said he will not permit Islamic worship at the city's cathedral. Cordoba was once the seat of Muslim power in Spain, and the cathedral was formerly a mosque that had been built on the site of a Catholic church. Bishop Fernandez Gonzalez stated that sharing the cathedral with Muslims, quote, is a euphemism which means get Catholics out of here. The answer to the question about sharing the cathedral is that no, we're not, because this place has been a Catholic church for 16 centuries, while Muslims have been here four and a half centuries, end quote. Bishop Gonzalez goes on to state, quote, if I let in the Muslims to pray in the Cathedral of Cordoba, it is equivalent to Catholics saying goodbye and good night. It would be irresponsible. There are things that are shared and others that are not, and the Cathedral of Cordoba is not shared with Muslims. End quote. Our Lady said on April 25, 1988, Understand that the Church is God's palace, the place in which I gather you and want to show you the way to God. Churches deserve respect and are set apart as holy because God, who became man, dwells in them day and night. This is the Medj Network Information Service. Text Messaging and Teenagers Text messaging is now the number one way teenagers communicate with friends. One in three teens sends more than 100 texts a day, according to a recent survey from the Pew Internet and American Life Project. That's more than 3,000 text messages each month. One blogger on NationalCatholicRegister.com posted a rather poignant comment about texting, asking, quote, What do you do 100 times a day? Breathe? Smile? Speak? Pray? I'm not sure. But as a parent, I do worry about the phenomenon of texting and its prominent place in teen culture. Anything a teen does 100 times a day is going to form a habit, for good or for bad. I hope parents will pay attention to the powerful influence of texting in their teens' lives. Unquote. 
Our Lady said on September 9, 1988, Dear children, tonight also your mother is warning that Satan is at work. I would like you to pay special attention to the fact that Satan is at work in a special way with the young. I will pray, dear children, for the young, for all of you. Many parents are becoming concerned at the extent to which electronics divert the minds of their children away from reality and keep their thoughts occupied with material things. Our Lady said on May 25, 2010, Satan, too, does not sleep, and through modernism diverts you and leads you to his way. This is the Medj Network Information Service. Death and Taxes a recent study by the Heritage Foundation using Internal Revenue Service data from 2007 shows that the top 10% of income earners in the United States paid an astounding 71% of the total federal income tax collected in 2007. Writers for Citizen Magazine note that top earners are already the target for new tax increases under Barack Obama, but the U.S. tax system is already greatly weighted against people with the highest income. The bottom 50% of earners paid only 3% of the taxes, while more than one-third of U.S. earners paid no federal income tax at all. Many people are becoming fed up with the entitlement mentality that is prevailing in America, namely that those who have worked hard to build wealth should be obligated to hand it over to those who haven't worked hard or those who claim to be suffering from real or perceived injustices that occurred in their past. Joseph Natius of the Coalition to Save America stated, quote, What the income tax structure boils down to in the end is the Ninth and Seventh Commandments, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, and thou shalt not steal. Those who would work hard and earn much are penalized. Our current system of governing is simply unjust, and it is on its deathbed. There is no way this system can continue when it stands so clearly on injustice and broken commandments. Unquote. Our Lady asks on December 2, 2007, My children, stop for a moment and look into your hearts. Is my Son, your God, truly in the first place? Are His commandments truly the measure of your life? And in 1984-85, Our Lady said, it is necessary to respect the commandments of God in following one's conscience. From the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Medjugorje.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. A picture will not suffice. A book will not do. Descriptions are shortcoming. What millions have seen but few understood. It can't be explained. It can only be experienced. Medjugorje. The place where the Virgin Mary comes daily to grace the world with her presence and blessing. Why would one not go to Medjugorje now, in the time when the Holy Mother of Jesus 
is still present now in the holiest of villages. Medjugorje can only be experienced. Have you yet to live this experience? Or have you gone to Medjugorje and never truly experienced Our Lady? Many are called, but for those who respond, there is no regret. Come now to Medjugorje and be blessed by the Holy Virgin Mary, the Queen of Peace. For over 24 years, BVM Caritas Pilgrimages has guided thousands of people just like you in what many consider the best spiritual format to go to Medjugorje. Founded by a friend of Medjugorje, BVM Caritas knows that a good pilgrimage does not just happen. Sign up today for your Medjugorje encounter with Our Lady. BVM Caritas. Call today in the U.S. 205-672-2000. 205-672-2000. And ask about your Medjugorje pilgrimage. Or go to medj.com, spelled mej.com, and click on Medjugorje Pilgrimages. Your pilgrimage does not begin the day you leave your home. It begins today. BVM Caritas Pilgrimages, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Welcome to Radio Wave and welcome to our show for the second of the month. It's always an exciting thing. It's, I, I guess it's like what the we get a exhilarating uh, flush of excitement just knowing that we can be able to discuss our lady's message, hear our lady's message, and talk to them within the community. But for those who are out there and by themselves and get the message, they don't always have that. So Radio A was conceived for that purpose. It, instead of just having a message and you're all alone, that you can hear and share the thoughts of what other people are saying. That's because what we say is what a lot of people want to know and what they think and what we think and what we talk about in the community. So it's beautiful to get a message, especially today's message. is a very special message. I was very moved by this message today, the second of the month, a message that I laid prepped us for before it was even given, and I'll go into that after we read it. But it's it's a wonderful thing to be sitting in the amphitheater of, of history, chosen by Our Lady, to do what you do and to do what we do. With that said, Joan, would you like to go ahead and read the message to the world? Our Lady's second of the month message to Mariana on the Day of Nonbelievers. October 2nd, 2010. Dear children, today I call you to a humble, my children, humble devotion. Your hearts need to be just. May your crosses be your means in the battle against the sins of the present time. May your weapon be patience and boundless love. A love that knows to wait 
and which will make you capable of recognizing God's signs, that your life, by humble love, may show the truth to all those who seek it in the darkness of lies. My children, my apostles, help me to open the paths to my Son. Once again, I call you to pray for your shepherds. Alongside them, I will triumph. Thank you. It's pretty incredible. So, so many things in this message that would strike one, um, and many things struck me. One thing was patience. Uh, there's a virtue of patience that is very is practiced very little. We don't hear it anymore. Even people people hardly talk about it. We don't hear people say just be patient, except to reprimand their kids when they're wanting a popsicle or some kind of treat and they're jumping up and down. But as far as adults, do we even know what the virtue of patience is anymore? And uh, this brings to mind, as I was listening to it, something Ronald Reagan said years ago that really struck me in an incredible way. Uh, because wisdom is truth and truth is God. And so because of that, when you hear it, it sometimes it's like a thunderbolt. But he was being har- harassed, that would be the right word to say, by the news media, asking him question after question. And he says, look, 10 problems coming down the road toward me. Nine of them will, go, will run into the gutter before they ever get to me. So I don't have really any answers for all these things you're bringing up, in other words. And so this, this philosophy is real. It really is that way. The 10 situations or problems coming down the road to you, nine of them don't even have to be dealt with. You don't deal with it till you have to. Uh, the virtue of patience would not necessarily have to fix every single thing that comes up. If there's an issue or there's a difficulty, you don't. if you're patient, a lot of those things you don't have to deal with. But we mess things up because we get impatient and we want to start acting on it or we react or we some kind of knee-jerk reaction and try to correct things way before it's as, as you should. And and the fact that if you wait and you're patient, it resolves itself. We see these things often that, that Satan throws fires at our mission or as, as, as individuals. And if we just wait it out, it's self-correcting. If you're praying, you're fasting, you're living for God— don't think you've got to go correct every single thing that happens. Let it correct or give it time to correct, and you'll find you'll be dealing with a lot less problems than if you try to interfere and try to fix every single thing that comes your way. So this patience is a real virtue as far as um, that, that I remember as a kid growing up that we're, it was a lot spoken about it. I don't even know if the schools even talk about it anymore. But we're in such a hurry that everything we do that we're, that you know, even getting things done. We we work in a hurry here for a lady. But the, the beautiful thing about this is we're working for her. But the world runs around crazy. What it's doing is is constant doing things that they can't stop. You can't just take a break from what you're doing. Uh, you've got to be at work at 8. You've got to do this. You've got to be at this time with the kids. That's why we pulled out of the school system. That's why we pulled out of sports. Everybody was di- dictating to us what time to be where, when, where, and how? Uh, my wife has taken my kids to our kids to two soccer, different soccer fields. I was having to get off work to go take the other one somewhere else. I'm juggling work. I'm doing. It, it's an insane culture. Sports tournament sports have grown insane. It's not fun. There's no joy. It's just competition. You want to see kids having joy playing sports? You come here and see our kids play sports. 
They may play soccer, for example. There'll be 40 people or 25 people on the soccer field because they don't go by no rules. They're playing for fun. They're not playing for score. And so we've got a whole system that is in a hurry, doesn't allow us to rest, and they and nobody knows why. They have no idea why because they never have time enough to stop, reflect, and recollect themselves. So the the virtue of patience is something we're in great need of. And our lady saying this, the way she said it, is beautiful because she's telling us to, to patience and boundless love is the thing that we should have possess, possessed in our being that would cause us to recognize God's love and that our life by humble love may show truth to all those who seek it in the darkness of lies, which we'll talk more about that. But patience... Just slow down. Doesn't mean you don't have to do a lot. Doesn't mean you have to be working. I mean, our ladies' business, we, we're very active, aggressively active, building a way of life, spreading the message, and we're very busy. But we know why. Why do it in a secular world and you don't know why? I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why, don't know why, I have to drive so fast, my car has nothing to prove, it's not you, but it'll do zero to sixty and five point two. Life's no fun All I really gotta do is live and 
No, Our Lady uh, said something really beautiful in this message to me, uh, having to do with weight, where she says, having a love that knows to wait. And I suppose in my thought, you know, we're waiting a lot of times for conversion, for change in other people's lives, or, or even in our own lives. But what, what is your reflection yourself about the, of having the um, knowledge of waiting or to know to wait rather than rushing, trying to bring conversion to somebody that's not ready for that or, or that kind of circumstance? Well, I think are you speaking if you get the conversion and you wait for a family member or some, a loved one or friend to convert or change them that that yeah been, been a hurdy yeah there's uh, actually a, a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. Part of you heard the BVM Pilgrimage commercial. One thing I recognized from the very beginning back in 1986 is that when you went to Medjugorje, and if you're 46 years of age, for example, and you have this tremendous conversion experience. And you go home and you're so excited and you want everybody in your family to get that. Well, it took you 46 years to get it. And you was raised Catholic. You've been going to church every Sunday. Don't go back expecting that. What you experienced going to Medjugorje is not a full conversion. You experienced the initiation of conversion. In other words, what you experienced is the love of God in a way that you didn't know you could be that intimate with Our Lady, that intimate with God the Father, with Jesus you may have never experienced that before. And many people who go to Medjugorje have never experienced these things before. And to taste that is very sweet. Ten times, a hundred times, thousand times sweeter than honey. Because most of us have never experienced that union of what the saints lived through the whole life when they became saints. Some of them were degraded before they came that. But, but to experience what the saints have experienced, suddenly you might feel like you're a saint. And you want your loved ones to have that big mistake to think that they're, they're, they're red apple on the tree ready to pick. You were green before you went to Medjugorje. You were green for 46 years. Let God shine his light on them through your witness that your life by humble love may show the truth to all those who seek the darkness of, the, of lies, even if they're family members. You're going to give it to them by you changing your life. Not by you going back to them and say, change your life. You're just going to drive them away. And Medjugorje's caused divorces. Right, let me take that back. People who've gone to Medjugorje and converted have caused divorces. Because they, they go back and they won't, they're so excited and they don't have the good spiritual direction, a solid foundation about how to go back. And we, one thing we tell all of our pilgrims when we go back from Medjugorje the last day is that you know, let them see you as the stars at night who say nothing but say everything by their brilliance. If you go home and you're suddenly taking out garbage at 10 o'clock at night for the next day because you and you hate that and you're whistling, they're all going to come out the door and peek around and what's gotten into him? And they'll want that. And so you've got to make them want what you got. You, you can't make them want to run from what you got. And so it's very important how you live your conversion. And remember, the experience of this love of God in the initial conversion is not conversion. You're not converted. Uh, conversion is a process of changing yourself, not everybody around you. And through you change, through you growing holy, they say, I like that. I want that. 
I want to be that way. You've all met a teacher, a, a, a mentor, someone who's been in a position that they influenced you by the way they were, a school teacher or none. I remember one nun in, in sixth grade uh, made me want to perform for her. The rest of them didn't, so I flunked everything. <laughs> but but just one nun, the way she, she dealt with me was just the opposite of the way everybody else did with her. I, I didn't want to do anything for the other teachers. I wanted to play and read the books I wanted to read. But <clears throat> I always remember that. And so we all have that in our life. And think of those moments of what, what was it that made you want to imitate that person? Now, we have a lot of misguided people now. They're following rock stars. They're following Hollywood. And, and that's what lady says. Truth. Show the truth to all those who seek it in the darkness of lies. They're non-believers. They're people who, who are looking for truth. And, and they're not looking for untruth. But they're looking for it at the wrong places. I mean, you have people that that are looking for spouses at bars, not at church, not in morals, not through prayer, but hanging out and just maybe I'll, go, I'll bump into somebody like a pimple on your face or something. That's what you're going to get. And when that pus is not very, it's pretty messy in your marriage. So what do you expect? And, and you hear... I, uh, people are, are getting married in bizarre ways, in balloons, on horseback. and uh, What is this about? Marriage is a spiritual thing. It's not, oh, this would be cool. We're, we're going scuba, scuba deer gear and, 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 and start, get married. Preacher be gurgling out through bubbles. and you know, th- They do this. I'm sure somebody's done that. I hadn't read that yet, but I'm sure that's happened. I mean, we're, we are in darkness of the lie. Marriage is nothing about the way you get married. It's everything about coming in union and and be form a pact with God, you, your spouse, and Christ in the cross. And our lady said this beautiful, may your crosses be the means in the battle against the sins of the present time. This is an incredible statement. Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world, and we are to conquer the world with these crosses that God has given to us now. And, it, and it, to me, this is a profound thing to think that what you're suffering from, the way Our Lady is, to redefine this cross for you, that you have purpose, you have meaning, you're in battle against the sins of the present time. You complain about it. We all talk about it. They say all oh, this, and that. everybody's talking to the culture. You carry your cross to perfection. You'll defeat it. Why? Because she says, I will triumph. And what are you going to try up? Well, the, the, the bishops are just going along for the ride. And, and you're going to carry the crosses. They're going to be beside her. Uh, and by the way, cheers to Bishop Gonzalo of Spain. We want to send our, our uh, jubilation that he stood up. Because we're just giving our church away. We should be very tolerant of the religions. But not so tolerant that we're interfaith dialogue in our ways, give away Christianity. We're doing this in the culture. Because people profess a belief that they've got a right to live a lifestyle or sinful things, that we got to appease that. We don't have to appease that. Be a Bishop Gonzalez. Say, no, we don't have to do this. And we're not going to do this. We're not doing this to offend you. You're offending us. You think that you can come in our church and use it for your faith. No. The answer is N-O. Just stand up. A lady says, my children, my apostles, help me to open the path 
to my son, not to somebody else, not in any other religion we condemn or whatever things are based on, but to Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the, he is the brother to all, the Savior, the one that redeemed the sins, not anybody else. And we don't have to apologize for that, people. What are you thinking? You're not. That's the problem. Because I already said why. September 25th, 11 days ago, 2010. I urge you to live your life of faith even more because you are still weak and you are not humble. You're too arrogant to get grace. We all are this way. And even sometimes when we go through conversion, we're still arrogant. And obviously, Our Lady didn't get that on the day of non-believers. She's talking to you, the believer, me, you, all of us. You are still weak and are not humble. I urge you, little children, to speak less, to work more on your personal conversions so that your witness may be fruitful. We're not going to be fruitful by caving into everybody else and saying, well, we've got to be tolerant and we wring our hands like, well, we're sorry for being Christians. How have we offended you? What would you like for us to do? Oh, you want to live that lifestyle? Where it's not right, but, you know, you can live that. We're going, to respect, we're going to respect you as a human being. That's degradation, this abominable lifestyle, people. I don't respect the human being in that. How can you be so vile? You don't respect yourself. How am I going to respect you? Respect is something to live morals, to live righteously, to live in a culture that builds, not tear it down. What we can't do is condemn the person. But we can certainly not respect something that's so degraded in the way people are living from abortion to everything. You know, what do you, you know what our lady said about mothers having abortion? We're all, we're all, all so soft on this even. You must pray for the mothers who murder their children. She didn't say who had an abortion. She said who murder their children. Let's get real, Christians, and let's do it with boundless love. But let's be, and let's be patient. But let's say truth. Give truth. Don't give in to the darkness of lies. Well, it's okay. No big deal. It's a big deal. And we're giving away everything. So what makes non-believers? A lack of love. Our Lady has shown in this message of non-believers that these poor people, and they are, and we pity all these people, pity people in sin. We're sinners and we're worse. I want to say that because we know better. But a non-believer has never experienced God's love. The visionaries and interlocutionists have taught us that Our Lady has taught them that love is learned by children between the mother and father loving each other, and thereby them. And non-believers is somebody who's never experienced God's love, they never experienced from the parent to the child, or the parents between each other. And so they have a difficulty believing in the concept of God the Father. They're damaged. They've never experienced the love of God. And so when we see this, it's tragedy. I wrote, I think it's in God's people, um, uh, or as go God's people, so goes the world, about looking into a, a, a little small three-year-old child and, and, and see in these eyes just this clear crystal blue water. The eyes are so clear, it's like looking through crystal blue water. And the parents go through this, this, this tragedy of divorce. And you look at this kid five, ten years later, and they're a monster. You no longer see that in the eyes. And because they're cheated out of the one thing in the road. You know, we do have a, uh, like the... the Mesh News a minute ago was talking about the situations of 
uh, entitlement mentality. You're not owed anything. I tell my kids, you're not owed anything. I tell everybody, you, I'm not owed anything. My dad taught me, my mom taught me the same thing. Nobody owes you anything. You, it's you to have to earn what you do. And so this entitlement mentality expects us to have something. But one thing you are owed is love from your parents, a loving home. You are owed that. You're not even owed a house. You know, you might be hungry. But this one thing that is supposed to be given is that love. And when we see a child that doesn't get that, then they're damaged and it's heartbreaking for them. So it's important to understand where non-believers come from, what causes that, and what can cure that. He can't remember times that he thought Does my daddy love me? Probably not that didn't stop him wishing that he did Didn't keep him from wanting or worshiping him Guesses he saw him about once a year He can still feel the way he felt standing in tears Stretching his arms out as far as they'd go And whispering that I want you to know I love you this much And I'm waiting on you To make up your mind Do you love me too? However long it takes I'm never giving up this much he grew to hate him for what he had done cause what kind of father could do that to his son the day that he died the man didn't blame but the little boy cried much and I'm waiting on you to make up your mind do you love me too however long it takes I'm never giving up no matter what I love you this much Way through the service while the choir sang a hymn. He looked up above the preacher and he sat and stared at him. He said, Forgive me, Father, when he realized that he hadn't been unloved or alone all his life. His arms were stretched out as far as they'd go Nailed to the cross for the whole world to know I love you this much and I'm waiting on you 
this much of a lifetime. Come to the five-day annual retreat, December 8th through 12th, the five days of the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God, a prayerful gathering to implore the mercy of God upon our families and nation. America was given a beautiful gift on Thanksgiving Day, November 24, 1988. The Virgin Mary appeared in an open field consecrating the spot by her heavenly visitation. Today Our Lady appeared and she was very happy when she came. She announced through the Medjugorje visionary Maria Lunetti, she was here to help us and that she would intercede for you to God for all your intentions. Experience Our Lady. Experience retreat. Experience Christmas. Experience a place fragranced by the queen of the angels herself and leave moved deep within your heart. With the events of Our Lady's apparitions in Medjugorje, come to a special place she's visited, designated, and allow Our Lady to enlighten you in regard to God's plans to renew the face of the earth, nay, even all of creation. For more information, Call Caritas at 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. The um, title that you gave your article this, this morning, uh, you wrote... This was a, a wow message from Our Lady. What was it in your first impressions, your first look at the the message that made you feel that or or see that in the message? I guess the first sentence because she gave a definition of humble and the way she said it. And that, it, she's so neat. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. Dear children, today I call you to a humble. That she interrupts what she's saying. My children, humble devotion. She double, she doubles it. She 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 comes from to a humble, and you come down to thinking about humble. Then she interjects, my children, humble devotion. It's just such a beautiful way to put into words a definition of bringing us down. Today I call you to a humble. My children, humble devotion. I thought that was incredible. Most people might pass over that and say, what's the big deal? It's beautiful. You add prayer to it. You add grace to this. You, you get grace from that. And she's, she's really saying the keystone to the spiritual life is humility. 
often Jesus was confronted with the Pharisees and, and wanting him to be challenged. And he was humble. The devil would often and possess people start saying, you're the son of God. He'd say, silence. You know, he didn't need to outwit through debate or words the devil. He knew he was God. He was comfortable with that. And I think a lot of it is, too, is knowing who we are, knowing what you're chosen for. You can be, you can be more humble because you're comfortable where you are and what people say. It doesn't matter what anybody says. And so if you start the spiritual life, you will experience uh, resistance. You'll experience condemnation. You'll experience crosses. May your crosses be the means of the battle against the sins of the present time. We can't speak out and say what we say here if we don't have crosses in our life. I don't like them. But neither did people in the Civil War want to drag cannons all over the place to the mud. But that cross of that cannon was a means to do battle. And our cross is our cannon to shoot down the sins in the present time. Not by just running around in condemnation, just like a minute ago. I said, I don't respect some of the people, what they do. But I don't condemn them. We want to lift them out of that sin. But we don't want to be so accommodating that we'll let Muslims come into our faith, and I'm not saying what they do, because we've got Muslim friends, we got, there's good Muslims that do have values, and like some of these radical ones, that, uh, that, they can't, that, that we give our church to that, the Catholic Church. We don't have to apologize for that. No more than, than a Muslim would apologize for us if we want to go do Christian worship inside the mosque. That's their mosque. We respect that. At the same time, we don't give our church, our whole country over to it. We don't have to do that. It's, it's ludicrous what we're doing. This is a Christian nation. You don't have to run around being apologetic, wringing your hands about these things. But this, nor do we have to be arrogant about it. We just stay firm. I call you to a humble, my children, humble devotion. That devotion is to her. For what? For the triumph of her immaculate heart. Our devotion to her should be humble. It shouldn't be, we're going to triumph, we're going to show you, we're going to jam this cross around my neck down your throat. I've heard people say that. I've heard a religious say that, that you would be shocked at. No, I won't tell you. But, but what kind of arrogance is this? This is, not how we, this is not how we conquer people. It's like I was saying earlier, when we come back or we go through conversion, let the, those around you see your light shine without words. Our lady said 11 days ago, speak less and work more on your personal conversion. Personally, you make changes. Personally, you become virtuous. Personally, you become love. Personally, you become kind, kinder, patient. All those virtues and watch everything around you change. But most people come back not changing themselves, but I got this love and I've got this Jesus in my heart. And they do. They're experiencing God's love because they haven't experienced it in that way. But they haven't changed their life. And we got men in the misery. We're moving the same way. They want to be the police of the movement. Go ahead. It's too big a job for us. Our job is just to get the mission out. St. Teresa says, humility is truth. So we should recognize who we are, what we've been called to, and what God's chosen us for. 
God chooses you. January 25th, 1987. God has chosen you for a great plan for the salvation of the world. It's a big thing. You cannot, the same message, you cannot comprehend the greatness of your role. I believe that message. I believe people in the community were chosen to be here. I believe I was chosen to do what I'm doing. You're chosen to be doing what you're doing. You've got a call to be what? An apostle. My children, my apostles, help me. Help me to open the path to my son. This world has covered everything up to the path to Jesus Christ. And it's through your crosses, your means of battle, against the present sins of the time, through patience, boundless love, being insulted, whatever it may be, and wait, which will make you capable of recognizing God's signs. So you have a role. You have a mission. Do you want it? Do you want to accept it? Do you want to let things work itself out or you want to try to fix everything? You're just going to make a big mess. And so this is a, a love that's really crazy that Arlie's asking for. A love that's in such a way that as you, Joan, was asking about the, the thing that struck me, the, the whole message as a whole, that, but just reading the first sentence, that struck me. The second sentence struck me, especially this part about may your crosses be the means in battle we're in war. August 2nd, 1981. A great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. Who's at stake? Who's at stake here? All those who seek it. What? Seek it. What is it? Truth. Seek truth, in other words, in the darkness of our lives. Because I, I stopped on that. I said, what is our lady saying here? Think that your life be humble, that your life I'm sorry, that your life by humble love may show the truth to all those who seek it in the darkness of the lies. What is it? Seeking truth. So everybody thinks they found truth. They'll argue and then debate it. Truth is truth. It's not debatable. And when you learn truth and you learn how that works, you won't, you won't go that way. And, and the only way to have that truth is through love. Love is something that is really crazy. I mean, people can't, all right, it's calls for crazy to love people who are against us. We had persecution. We talked about it a couple of shows ago, and I asked. Actually, on two occasions, I've asked through the years, Our Lady, through Maria, a question, and she says, "Love the others." It's a crazy love when you have somebody doing things and wanting to destroy you and, and tear everything out about you. But we've, and that's not the only case. We've had it over and over and over in different situations, and Our Lady says to do this, and so we have people that have no common sense. They have no way to see this, and. They, we, we actually don't understand when a lady says, let your only instrument be love. You can really kill somebody with love. Now, I don't mean kill them physically, but you can kill everything in them, every enemy to them, that they make them an enemy to you through love. And this, the world would say, is crazy. I love this crazy. They called them crazy when they started out Seventeen's too young to know what love's about They've been together fifty-eight years now That's crazy He brought home sixty-seven bucks a week on Maple Street Where she blessed him with six more mouths to feed 
that's crazy. Just ask him how he did it. He'll say, pull up a seat. It'll only take a minute to tell you everything. Be a best friend until the truth. In the message, Our Lady refers to the shepherds here. Who are the shepherds that you think Our Lady's uh, referring to? Do you think they're just the priests, to the, just the bishops? Well, a shepherd, of course, would be anybody that leads people or anybody that helps someone. But traditionally, shepherds, of course, have been been a pastor. Actually, I looked this up before earlier, and it's interesting that now, today, in the modern dictionary, all they say under shepherd is a man employed in tending and feeding and guarding sheep in the pasture. pasture. And uh, it's um, pretty incredible. If you go back to the 1800s, the old dictionary says that same definition, but it also says the pastor of a parish, church, or congregation, a minister of the gospel who superintends a church or parish and gives instructions in spiritual things. God and Christ are in scriptural-dominated names called shepherds as they lead, protect, govern the people, and provide for the welfare. And, of course, our lady here is referring here. She says, once again, I call you to pray for your shepherds. Alongside them, I will triumph. In front of that, though, our lady says, my children, my apostles, help me to open the path to my son. And so we know our lady has repeatedly called for praying for our shepherds so they won't go, go won't get lost. And we've got a we've got an intellectualism that has invaded the church that I think has very seriously damaged the heart of, of the church. 
some might think that's a very serious statement. Of course, it's a very serious statement. But I've watched people that I know have gotten calls to become priests that aren't priests after 11 years. They're still going to school. The fire I witnessed in them to become a, a, like a Christ, a minister, a priest, moved from the heart to the brain. It's just an intellectual thing. And I've seen this not once, not twice, but many times. So it changes fire, the love of God, for this fire, this love of, of I'm educated. I got these degrees. I once uh, talked to a priest that charged $75 an hour for counseling because he had his psychiatric degrees. What is that about? And so we've got this intellectualism that has gone to the church and made people very stupid, very dumbed down. And I tell you what we need to do is, John Vianney, we've we named this guy as the priest for all priests in the year of the priest. He's the mentor. The guy couldn't be a priest today. He would never make it. He could not make it, and they would never allow him to be a priest. And the only reason he even did back then, and there were more toward apprenticeship priesthood then, which I think everything needs to go back then. We don't need universities. You can get good doctors with other people and train them. You can get welders with other welders and train them. You can get other other occupations and train from those who are good, working with somebody for very cheap wage that, that would pay that person to teach you, as well as, as you learn from that person. Apprenticeship is where it's at. I was just telling somebody here that flew in from Zurich, Switzerland, mainly to come here, and they're spending three or four days here, and we were talking about uh, some of the equipment we're getting from Switzerland. And this company actually takes kids out of eighth grade. They have 4,000 employees. Uh, we stopped on the way back from Medjugorje last year to look at this piece of equipment we want to use for our print shop. So they invited us to end the tour of the factory, and they gave us a red carpet, tre- red carpet treatment, of course, and they went behind the scenes, and it was fascinating. They take children in Switzerland out of eighth grade, after eight years of school, and put them in that factory in a school, not working, but teaching them how they make the machines, how to be machinists and everything. It's a, it's a four- to six-year apprenticeship. When they come out and graduate, they go home just like a school. They do their home everything. But it's within the factory. When they leave that apprenticeship, they go right into a job there. Highly skilled, highly trained. This is We don't need universities the way they're set up today. We simply do not need them. The universities have become a god. Everything can be done to apprenticeship. There's plenty of talent. There's plenty of skill. There's plenty of levels where people can fill every occupation without this. And for what they teach, what they do, what they have to do to get a degree. And, Joan, you've got what a, what kind of degree? Master's degree. Yeah. So what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, not much. Yeah. Well, what, what does it do? You know, 80% of all graduates from universities do not do what they were trained and taught to do within their degrees. 80%. They end up running hot dog stands and things like that and making money. The average job out of a university is $35,000. Go for one year and learn to be a surveyor, you start off at $70,000. The average job out of the university is $35,000. If you learn how to lay tile or some skill like that, the average thing salary is sixty-five dollars to $75,000 a year. 
You figure that. You think about that. Research it. We don't need what we're being taught we need. And now we have women going to universities because they don't know what to do. Our kids here can do anything they want to do once we leave, if they were to leave the community. They're turned in skills. You wouldn't believe some of the things the kids were doing today. They were running sawmills. They were clearing land. They were doing firewood. They were working in a pottery shop. Others were cooking. Uh, others were doing some mechanic work. Saturday is our work day. We call Saturday work day. We work five days for God. And then on Saturdays, the community works to provide its own, uh, through its good stewardship, provides itself. And, and if you walked in and see the the the, the, the kids running, the, the type of machines they're running, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe it. Because they're around adults and they're in apprenticeship. We've got our school, but they get out and they run things. They can run a construction site just as well as anybody out there. So we're all based on, and that's what he's telling us, you know, you, you, to, to, you're diverted through, this, this, uh, through modernism, Satan has diverted you. And so we're all off base. We're going the wrong way. Our Lady's call us to live uh, that uncommon life. That uncommon life is a life where, where we don't do what everybody else is doing. The common way of society is not the common way of the spiritual life. And so... We're called to, to be free from all that. You know, all those voices that, that would tell you otherwise, get out. I mean, girls are going to universities, and most of them are going to be mothers and wives. For, for what? I'm asking you, for what? Just stop and think. I'm asking you a question. I'm going to pause. You think about this. It's really stupid, very stupid. But nobody's recollecting, nobody's thinking. So there's no strength, there's no, uh, the life is tiring. Our Lady said, you're, you're weary, you're tired. People are worn out because they're chasing something that's not right. It's the darkness of lies. They're seeking, they're, looking, they're, let, they're going to university because they really don't know what to do. That was my point I was going to make a minute ago. If your kids and your children you're raising have something they're involved in, they can fall right into that. But parents have nothing they offer the children and by way of life. And so, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what, what do you mean you want to be? You, 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 you train them such skills that they can do several things within those skill levels. You know, it, it just buffoons me, really, how, how we've gotten to where we've gotten to. But, you know, we have a, all these unbelievers. They're moving the way out. There's a new ar army coming. And we're armed with faith, and that's what all he wants us to do. We want to live a life uncommon, not the common life that's going on now. Don't worry, mother. It'll be all right. Don't worry, sister. Say your prayers and sleep tight. It'll be fine. Lover of mine, it'll be just fine. Lend your voices only the sounds of freedom. No longer lend your strength to that which you wish to be free from. Feel lies with love and bravery 
No longer lend our strength to that which we wish to be free from. We've put our strength, we put everything into what's going on in the culture today, and we need freedom from it, and mainly the freedom from darkness and freedom from sin. May 25th, 2010, God gave you the grace to live and to defend all the good that is around you. 
and inspire others to be better and holier. But Satan, too, does not sleep and through modernism diverts you and leads you on his way. This message today shows us that this world is spinning faster to a new disaster and it's constantly headed toward that. We want to, I know we're almost out of time, but we're going to look a bit further because we want to play this one song because I wrote about it in the last words of harvest. We end up putting it on the online today with the article. But I think it speaks real clearly about who we need to be running to. This woman who comes, who God sent to save us, to show us the way, is the only one to run to.
I'm excited about this message, and especially for the coming days. Don't leave this. Run to this message every day. There's so much still yet to say, be said about this message, so much for you to discover with your life about the message, that if you leave this and only enter into it for the day of the second and think I don't have to read it again, you'll be all the more poorer for it. Uh, I think it's a very exciting message full of many things yet to be revealed, things that I don't even see now at this point, nor anyone else out there, because the messages do this. They unveil what we need to know at that day, at that moment, or our circumstances, and they change tomorrow because our circumstances change, and tomorrow's another day. This message, you read it and constantly be with it through prayer. And remember, it's patience, something we've all forgotten, boundless love that knows how to wait, and that will help make you capable of recognizing God's signs, and he has a lot of signs in this day, in this age, to make us understand that your life, by humble love, may show the truth to those who seek it in darkness of lies, and that includes many that you do love yourself. So it's your conversion, your change, that will change them. Goodbye. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you.